Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the EFL Fantasy Podcast. My name is Angus. My name is Dan. And we're here to review the Game Week 31 action. We're into the, the final stretch, we're into the final set of boosts, which uh, means sort of everything is is moving towards the end. Obviously it's still only sort of February, but uh, sort of feels like we're getting towards the end now. Things are going to be decided in this stretch. Um so, uh, but first things first, uh, Dan, how are you? Uh, not great. <laughs> Obviously, lost the big one in the uh, in the Premier League, deservedly so. So that was a bit annoying. But typical Luton, to be honest. Uh, Gaffer wise, another red arrow. So yeah, it's it's not been great, to be honest. But um, it's been a good day for you, anyway, Angus. Yeah, um, obviously uh, Arsenal had a, a, a very convincing win, um, which uh, which which has helped things, uh, particularly taking putting a bit of gloss on what is otherwise a uh, a red arrow in Gaffer uh, is the other thing to reflect on. So, um, but yeah, in terms of uh, getting into that, I'll I'll just sort of jump into that. I got uh, sixty nine points this week, which was a nice score, obviously. Uh, but I got three from Hazard, uh, four from Giles, uh, one from Walker-Peters, four from Davis, a captain Somerville, which was the, the one sort of bright spot, really, uh, for 36. Uh, Carvalho, two. Philogene, two. Dewsbury Hall, two. Rutter, eight. Vice-captain Adam Armstrong for three. Whitaker four. Uh, and my last decision with my team in terms of who to bench led me to benching uh, Ricardo Pereira for 13 points uh so that was uh that that was the real sort of pain there um but given that i benched him and didn't have smodix or clark um it was only a small red arrow i think of 11 places and i was worried with those players returning that it was going to be a bit more significant so i guess that's the other sort of bright spot for me uh this week uh dan how did how did you go this week so another red arrow. I'm down to 232. I took a minus four. I got so I got 71 minus four. Um, a couple of transfers. I brought Giles and Philogene in for Vestergaard, who didn't play, and Dan James, who also didn't play. Um, it's a shame that Hull didn't play either. So um, they didn't score me too many points. <laughs> But uh, Johansson two, Giles four, Walker Peters one, Davis four, Captain Somerville for thirty six, Carvalho two, Philogene two, Jewsbury Hall two. I do have Sammy Smodix for seven, uh, Rutter eight, and Vice Captain Adam Armstrong. Um, I do have Fame with a six on the bench, but I was never never going to play him. He's right at the bottom, so. Yeah, disappointing Red Arrow, but obviously still building towards the double game week in 33. Yeah, and shout out to anyone who did play, uh, who did start Feng Wu. Um, and he went off in the 76th minute, where obviously you need to play 75 to get the second half clean sheet. Uh, so, you know, perfectly timed substitution there. Um, but yeah, so obviously a little bit of a down week. I guess the, the upside is quick turnaround to midweek games and everything so uh so uh we'll move swiftly on 
as a result. Um, so next thing we have up is the team news from this weekend. So uh, Dan, I'll hand over to you for that. Yes. Yeah, so just the main uh, team news for <clears throat> fantasy related players. I thought for Sheffield Wednesday, I, I put uh, Pervader and Kadamatri were in. I thought they Sheffield Wednesday looked pretty pretty decent on Friday night, especially Pervader. Um, as you mentioned, Famu went off injured, so keep an eye on that. Uh, Ipswich, Broadhead, and Kiefer Moore were in. Uh, West Brom, Vyman was in for Swift. Leicester, Vestergaard was out. Dennis Pratt was in for Mavadidi. Um, Sunderland, Robertson, Rushlin was in for Cardiff. Turnbull started. Uh, Leeds, James still not in the squad. So Nonto continued in his place. Uh, Blackburn, they played 3-5-2. Rankin Costello was playing centre mid. Um, Dolan and Smodix were behind uh, Gallagher. Uh, both got returns. QPR, Dykes was dropped. Hodge played the 10 position and Armstrong was up front. Norwich, Bro was on the bench. Um, Nunes <coughs> played and Sara dropped deeper. Uh, Sara dropped deeper. Uh, for Borough, Dieng was on the bench. I thought he would go straight in, but he didn't. I've still got him. Uh, Brian O'Brien played uh, for Sam for Southampton. Rothwell and Brooks um, came on. Um, I think Rothwell came on in the first half, and Brooks came on at half time, and they they basically changed the game for Southampton. So that's one to keep an eye on. And uh, that was basically it. Cool. So uh, yeah. Um, a lot of interesting details there. I do think on on Dieng there was some uncertainty about whether he would be in the squad. So I do wonder, yeah, um, sort of whether in the next game or two he does come back into the team. I think Glover's had a couple of sort of less less good uh, games recently or less good moments. Um, so I think uh, that that may well sort of that that change in particular may happen quite quickly. Um, but yeah, so we're going to get into a couple of sort of key points now, um, and I'm going to kick us off, uh, which talk just just a little bit about sort of the the teams in and around sort of relegation. Um, I just thought you know sort of taking stock on what we can learn about the teams, particularly when we're then looking at how it impacts sort of in Gaffer, who you target with what, etc. So I've included the bottom 10 because I drew the line at Plymouth. There's a little gap above Plymouth and Swansea and Blackburn, all on 36. So they're, they're in this conversation. Um, I think the next team above them is on 40, um, but I just thought they still had to be considered part of it. Um, so it's uh, Plymouth, Swansea and Blackburn are on 36. Uh, worth noting with that, Swansea play 31, Plymouth and Blackburn have both played 30. Um, then there's another sort of gr little group, uh, which is Millwall, uh, 33 points from 31 games. Birmingham, 32 points from 30 games. Stoke, 32 points from 31 games. And Huddersfield, 31 points from 31 games. And then you've got the bottom three, QPR, 
29 points from 31 games. Sheffield Wednesday, 26 points from 31 games. And Rotherham, down at the bottom, 19 points from 30 games. Um, so that's sort of the teams. And it's just so, just little bits that I just wanted to look at with them. Um, so one of the things for me was about uh, just some of these simple sort of goals scored and goals against. Um, so the top scorers uh, in, in those teams uh, won't be surprised to anyone. Plymouth with 49 and then Blackburn with 45. I think if you sort of went through that list of teams, those would be the two that you would expect um, to be at the top of that. So I think particularly when you're looking at some of these worst teams in terms of um, gaffer-wise, like I think it, there you're like, do I really want to play a defender against them, for example? Um, depending on sort of whether, you know, particularly with some of the fullbacks with the potential for going the other way you might want to but it just sort of you know if that factors in then you've got Swansea actually on 40 which did surprise me a little bit uh Huddersfield on 36 Birmingham on 34 Millwall on 31 Stoke and QPR on only 29 Rotherham on 25 and you know you add like five to ten goals to this team and I think they would probably be um, higher up the table. Sheffield Wednesday on 24. Now we've spoken about their issues before with goal scoring. Um, obviously they got a couple at the at the weekend or on Friday night um, from uh, Ugbo, who's a new arrival and maybe that's the sort of thing that helps them sort it. But I think if we want to understand particularly why they are down there um, that number sort of screams out. <laughs> Anything just in terms of those goal scored numbers that sort of Seems noteworthy to you. Um, Stoke, like I know they've not been doing great. I'm I'm surprised they haven't scored more than that. Yeah. It felt like at the start of the season they were scoring quite a few goals. It's obviously dried up pretty badly, I'd say. Um, as you mentioned, Plymouth and Blackburn will score goals. Um, to be honest, I'll be I'll be surprised if those maybe those top three you mentioned would go get down, get relegated at this point. Um, obviously, a big win for Blackburn over Stoke this weekend. Um, Huddersfield, that, that's quite a lot of goals, considering I don't really associate them having a striker. So um, I know um, they've, they've been scoring quite a lot the last few weeks. So I think it's probably seven in the last two yeah. games, so that that helps out. But yeah, yeah, I think that's that's interesting. Yeah, I mean, I think as well the uh, the the other thing I'm just double checking with them because I know at least before this weekend their top goal scorer was Mikel Hellick, which probably sums it all up, and he's still their top scorer. Um, now he's doing well with eight goals, but you know when you're when a centre back is your top scorer, it's sort of like this. That's why we sort of would expect you to to not have that many goals. I think it's interesting with Huddersfield that Sorba Thomas has started to play well in the last six games. He's got two goals and four assists, um, and if he keeps that up, they'd probably climb the table. I'm guessing. Yeah, I think so. Um, the other the other end, which uh, with a lot of these teams, will explain why they're there. Goals conceded. Of those teams, interestingly, surprisingly, because I thought QPR would be the best for goals conceded in this group. 
It's actually Millwall. Now, we've sort of said Millwall haven't been as good defensively as we expected and everything, um, but they've conceded 40 goals so far this season, uh, which in 31 games, that's not bad. Um, then you've got QPR on 43, Stoke on 45, Birmingham 47, Swansea 48, Sheffield Wednesday and Plymouth 50, Huddersfield 52, which gets into the, uh, the issue of them, Blackburn 56, and Rotherham 57. So obviously with Blackburn, we know that's why they're they're where they are, because they're clearly very capable going forward. But we've spoken all season about their goals, the number of goals they've conceded. Um, but yeah, I was, I was a little bit surprised, I guess. I was also slightly surprised, I guess, that Stoke were doing all right. But I guess there was a thing at one point of their fans trying to talk talk up Bonham because they had like the most clean sheets in the league or something so maybe that it goes some way to explaining it um but yeah so obviously you know you've got sort of five of those 10 have conceded 50 or more goals this season which uh obviously uh suggests that they've got some they've had some issues at the back um but anything in particular you take from from those numbers I think it's quite encouraging for QPR, I'd say. Um, I think going forward, they're, they're starting to improve, especially if they can get Chair, Willock um, and Armstrong playing together. I think they'll score goals. And if they're not conceding quite as many, I think I know they conceded two this week, but if they can start limiting it, limited down to maybe only one, won a game for the rest of the season. They've got a big chance of staying up, I think. Yeah, I agree. Um, and I think it's uh, it, it bodes well for them. Um, I've got a couple of, sort of the, the underlying numbers just to sort of look at it um, and get an idea of the, how sustainable this is for some of these teams. Um, so in terms of the, their XG uh, across the season, the highest is Blackburn with 44.6. Um, which interestingly they they are basically put that's forty five goals on forty four point six xg this season for Blackburn, um, which shows that, that they are legitimately a, a decent goal scoring team as well. Uh, then it's Plymouth on thirty nine point one, but a little bit of a gap there. Swansea thirty eight point six. I would not have said Swansea had basically the same xg. Would have expected Swansea to have basically the same xg as Plymouth. Stoke 35.8, you get down to Birmingham 33.7, Huddersfield 32.6, Millwall 32.3, Sheffield Wednesday 32.1, a little bit of a drop off to QPR at 27.2, and then Rotherham at 19.7. They're even overachieving it <laughs> by six as well, Rotherham. Yeah. I feel bad for Rotherham because I, I thought they'd done quite well last year, but they've just not been able to build build on from their team really no um, no it's it's been tough for them i agree um you know i'm not surprised with qpr for example they're being low as well we know that that's been the, that's the end of the pitch that's been the issue for them as well i think that's more so under ainsworth i yeah. think since i can't remember that um is it a friend heads yeah since he's come in i, I think they're probably out um, result-wise, they're probably a mid-table side. They're man Sheffield Wednesday, to be honest. 
Yeah, although I think a lot of that is, is still built off the defence, but if they can just pick up the attack up just a little bit more, I think that will that yeah. will make the key difference. Sort of. Um, but speaking of that, and it's funny you mentioned those two teams, the XG conceded among those teams tied for best QPR and Sheffield Wednesday, uh, 38.9, which when you think that's, uh, I think in what, both 31 games, I think, yeah. So basically, thirty-nine XG conceded in thirty-one games. That's that's not bad. Um, no. You then have Stoke forty-one point one, Millwall forty-one point six, Birmingham forty-three, Huddersfield forty-four point one, Blackburn forty-five point nine, Swansea fifty point six, Plymouth fifty-two point one, and Rotherham fifty-four point three. Um, and so I sort of feel for for Johansson in that they are. They aren't. They they're not even sort of. They've conceded more than their XG conceded, which but like the amount it feels like he's done this season to even keep yeah. them at that. Um, Although I, I don't know if I'm being hard. I was watching the highlights today, and for Somerville's first goal, I think it was when he got put through by Rutter. Somerville basically gets to the six yard line before he tap. Like he's, yeah. Johansson's got to come out for that. I know that's harsh. I've got your hands, and I was going to play Jeepers Keepers, didn't play it. So he's still he's still there, and he's been playing every week because I got Dieng, and he's not playing. So yeah, I need to I need to get I might get rid of Hansen to be honest. Yeah, but I think it it sort of shows with some of these teams, like you know the the XG conceded and the goals conceded. Obviously, you would expect them to be high, but it matches up that sort of those, particularly like Plymouth, Rotherham. Um, Swansea, um, you know, it's sort of like those those are the teams that you can possibly profit from a little bit with attacking players, uh, more so than for example, you know, you might look at QPR and Sheffield Wednesday being in the bottom three. I know Huddersfield obviously had a big game against Sheffield Wednesday, but I think generally speaking it shows that you don't necessarily want to be targeting those two in particular with your attacking players. It might be sort of like, oh actually Who's playing Rotherham? Who's playing Plymouth? Who's playing Swansea? Who's potentially playing Blackburn? You know, yeah. still those teams I think ahead. Uh, generally speaking, aside from some of those players that you're going to look to to use anyway, your Leicesters, your Southamptons, your Leeds, that sort of thing. Um, and then a little bit just to to point to that of like the top point scorers from each of these teams, and some of them it's it's a little bit ropey and it sort of paints a picture. Um, Plymouth, I thought, was interesting. Yeah, Whitaker on 204. The next highest scorer is Ryan Hardy on 129. And then it's Barley Mumba on 119. Um, Swansea, Jamie Patterson has 129 points. And I feel like I haven't sort of like thought about him at any point this season. I think I mentioned him a couple of months ago. I think when he scored a couple, that he, mm. was, he was sort of going under the radar. Um, and their new manager is very attacking, yeah, as as he was at Notts County. So like, I don't think we'll ever go there, but he's no. probably a player just to keep in the back of your mind. Yeah, and then Rushworth had 126 points as well, so that was close. Blackburn Smodix is the only player over 100 points. He has 172 points. The next highest is actually Callum Britton with 96. Um, but it sort of shows the difference there. Um, Millwall, 
I said Patterson, 129 points, and I didn't know where they'd come from. Zian Fleming has 133. I don't know where they've come from either. It must just be bonus, I thought. Yeah. Whenever he does anything, he gets full bonus, don't yeah, he? But, it's probably in little clusters. Yeah. Uh, Norton Cuffey also has 132 for them. Um, so he's obviously one to potentially consider there. Um, Birmingham Bakuna has 122 points. Uh, we have sort of mentioned him a couple of times, though, as being someone who does sort of, you know, uh, pick up points. Um, Dembele actually has 116 as well. Um, Stoke top scorer is Kiana Hoover uh, with 135 points. The only other person over 100 points is McNally um, with 103. Uh, Huddersfield, we mentioned Sorba Thomas. 157 and Helic 147, which when you think about how many goals we've talked about them conceding, I know he's got eight goals, but that's still an impressive amount of points to pick up. Um, QPR, Kenneth Powell, 164 points. Ilias Chair has managed to get 133 points. <laughs> um, Begovic also has 125. Sheffield Wednesday, no one has over 100 points. Um, Masaba and Dijon Bernard have 91. Ugbo uh, would have been the third highest scorer, but obviously most of those points didn't come at uh, Sheffield Wednesday, which means the next one would be Fameworth, 74 points. Um, and then Rotherham, Johansson is the only one over 100 points with 107. And then it's Bramall at 85. And he's the, he's the only one over 80 points, which sort of shows all the issues for them. Um, which I think some of that will paint a picture, whether it's a couple of key players from teams um, or whether it's sort of like, okay, these teams have actually been doing all right, whether that's sort of picking up bonus or whatever, and and you can have more reason for encouragement. Um, Any sort of other particular takeaways from that? So much takeaways. I was just going to say, where do you lie with who you think is going to get relegated? Because for a while, it's basically been Rotherham's going down and it's two from three. But like you said, I'd say realistically, I'd probably go Millwall down. And we've got the the big game this week, Stoke QPR, which is ob- obviously massive. And do you think Stoke, Stoke are in trouble because we've we've joked what the last couple of seasons Stoke might go down, but this feels like they actually might go down now, and it's not like just a wind up for Jamie and that. Are you worried for Stoke? A little bit, just because seeing some of these performances, it's like this isn't sort of trending in the right direction, um, and so and you know you, you do worry a bit. Um, and so there is concern there because there there is a slide that they need to address very quickly. Um, so there there is a little bit of concern there. I, I would say, yeah, particularly because you 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 look at it at the moment, and you know the way they're playing. Obviously, they have they have to play catch up. But you look at the way like Sheffield Wednesday and QPR are playing, and you'd be like, well, I'd probably back them to pick up more points. Yeah. Obviously, if Stoke go and win, then it's 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 a massive. If they beat QPR, but God, I know I'll be tuning into that that game. 
I think it's is it Tuesday or Wednesday? I think it's Wednesday. I want to say but, it's um, Wednesday. Yeah. They're gonna have record numbers from the Gaffer community, yeah. I think. Wednesday. Watching that game. But yeah, the, is there anyone who you think could drop? Mill obviously lost today against Coventry. Yeah, although I think obviously they were they were in a decent position and then sort of got caught. Um, you know, they were obviously ahead and then conceded yeah. a couple. I think they'll probably be all right. I think they've got just enough about them. Um, I do think that group is probably going to pull away, as in the three teams above them, and I do think Millwall will have just enough about them. Um, Birmingham have have things they need to work out. Um, and, you know, I think it's easy to pin it on Rooney, but they got rid of Rooney early enough to to theoretically sort of correct this. And it hasn't really felt like it's fixed much yet. Not saying that it won't, but it's sort of like, at a certain point, more points need to come um, for them, obviously for, for the likes of Millwall as well, but for Millwall, for Birmingham, for Stoke. And for Huddersfield, you know, it's, it is that point where it's like, okay, you know, you need to start picking up points now. Yeah, I agree. Um, but ho- hopefully that's sort of been useful in providing some information around, you know, who's good at what down the bottom. Um, but yeah, so that's sort of uh, what I just wanted to cover because obviously there's quite a few teams down there. And I think we do sort of, it, it's an opportunity to sort of have a look and being like, okay, what are we looking at doing in terms of, you know, looking to target teams in certain ways or bearing certain things in mind um, about sort of league positions being representative or not. Um, so, yeah, so that's uh, sort of my reason for doing that. Um, so, yeah, so we'll, we'll move on to, to your your point now, which I think is, is more sort of uh, specifically gaffer uh, related. Yeah, so I think... Over the last few weeks, it's been quite obvious there's a, a, te- a template formed, which isn't surprising. Obviously, there's probably four really good teams. And then um, with the doubles coming up, you're obviously building towards those doubles. Um, so I thought I'd pick, I haven't done goalies, but I thought I'd pick a couple of players for defenders, midfielders and forwards who might be able to break the template over the next, I don't know, six, seven, eight games. Um, So I'll start with defenders. I'll put down uh, Rankin Costello. Um, He's playing, well, he played centre mid yesterday. Um, We've seen for the last season and a half just how good he is. At creating things and and scoring goals, um, they do have the double Blackburn in I think in thirty three uh, two away games, but if one of the boosts is away days, so obviously got the chance to get points from ranking Casella. I, I would probably be a little bit worried he might not start both just because he's coming back from injury. Um, but I think long term, ranking Costello, playing for attacking Blackburn side, um, I think could do pretty well. Uh, the second defender I've gone for is um, Furlong from West Brom. West Brom have been a, a team I've just not 
picked many players from all season. I, I'm not even sure I've had any, uh, to be honest. They've they've got Cardiff in 32, Southampton at home in 33, along with Plymouth. They also double. Um, pretty sure West Brom have the the most clean sheets in the league uh, this season. Let me just show that. Yeah, they, they've got it equal with Leeds at 13. Um, and Furlong does go up for like corners and things like that. So I think um, Furlong should definitely be on the radar. Um, those are my two picks. Angus, do you, do you think they were good picks or yeah, I mean, I think anyone else you'd like throw in? Yeah, I mean, I think with those two, you know, we've we've mentioned West Brom defensively uh, previously in the tournament, uh, sorry, in the season, um, and so I do think that 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 sort that does sort of help, um, sort of bearing that in mind, and the fact that their defensive sort of solidity does sort of keep on going. Um, so I do think that is someone that that you can bear in mind. Um, Ranking Costello's obviously come back, came back into midfield. I do, as you said, I do think that that potentially helps his appeal. Um, I'm not sure there's there's too many particularly sort of looking to to go sort of outside the box. Um, She's in Perry NG. Um, I want to say Perry NG, but I'm not sort of I'm a little bit not concerned about Cardiff because they're going to have a perfectly safe season and something yeah. to build on and whatever. But I'm just a little bit concerned about sort of going for them at the moment as well. Um, so, so there's not there's not sort of many that I'd look at outside of that at the moment, to be honest, defensively. Yeah, that's fair enough. I'm gonna move on to midfielders. I put um, Brooks from Southampton. Um, I know Bournemouth. A lot of Bournemouth fans wanted to, wanted to keep him. And I think he, the manager even wanted to keep him as well. I think it was more the fact that he, Brooks wanted to go and play games to get back for next season. And I think we can all agree a, a fit Brooks is is a Premier League player. Um, like I mentioned, he came on at half time yesterday and he contributed uh, straight away. Um, we, like I said, he's he's. He's probably above this level. He's at a, an interesting price where you'll probably have to take a risk of maybe losing one of the template midfielders. Um, he's 8.5, but they do complete, they do double in 33 um, West Brom away and Hull at home. Um, so yeah, I think think he could be a good shout. Um, the other one is Greenwood from Middlesbrough. Um, I noticed when I watched him last week when they were on the TV and Sunderland that he's he's playing up front, um, which is obviously has massive appeal. Although they don't have the double in thirty three, Middlesbrough they will double in 37 and it he Middlesbrough will play two away games so if you're looking to play away days in maybe 37 then 
Greenwood is definitely someone to keep an eye out, especially if he's still playing up front. Um, they will have QPR and Birmingham away. So that, although we've mentioned QPR aren't great defensively, uh, are pr- pretty decent defensively, they're still a, a bottom six side who you'd expect Middlesbrough to to win. Um, I know you've been impressed with Greenwood this season, Angus. Yeah, um, he has his moments. I think it's it's a bit in two minds, particularly after watching that game against Sunderland, where he's clearly yeah. doing well in that role and he gives them something else with the extra sort of fluidity and the way he can alternate with sort of azaz and that sort of thing. But I think there's times where, as a result, it means, you know, when it comes to sort of the the efforts to sort of finish it and whatever, that you're a li- you're left a little bit wanting by him. That's the one concern. But I do think yeah. that he he's still a decent pick. Yeah, I think it's hard with Middlesbrough because I'm not sure there's a standout player for them. I think Nick Jones is obviously injured. I think we all want to see. Uh, Force has have a run up front, but he seems reluctant to put, to put him up front. Even though going back to his Brentford days, Force has a very good strike rate up front. Um, yeah, any any others, Angus? I, I was thinking about Rothwell from Southampton, but it's just is he going to get in the team? I mean, is there going to be rotation? Have him in the team after that goal, the the first I mean, one. Well, the second was a good finish as well, to be fair. Yeah, yeah, but it, do, it doesn't matter after the first goal. <laughs> um, but I think it, it I, I was sort of thinking about it. I remember him being a decent option when he was at Blackburn. So there's a yeah. chance if he gets a run in that, that he could actually be sort of a, a useful option. Um, I'd probably still like to go Brooks. I mean, the pass he played through. Um, to assist the goal was was really nice, and I think that's the sort of the moment that he is capable of providing um, that that would make him him interesting as well. Um, well, six point five. Yeah, I think that's the key with him is that you're not you're not necessarily like you said you're not necessarily losing something from one of those pre those sort of premium mids if you do want to hold on to them by going for Rothwell. Um, it's sort of an extra sort of additional option. Um, so yeah, so I think, but I think he could be he could be an interesting option. Anyone else? Or um, it's tricky, isn't it? I, yeah. I like the Coventry lads, but they don't have the double. I think you know there's there's a couple out there that that could potentially be be interesting options. Um, you know, I mean, obviously people are going to look at Blackburn. Someone like Tyrese Dolan. We've we've spoken numerous times in the past about Tyrese Dolan. Um, he, you know, I'm not necessarily saying that just because he scored two goals at the weekend, um, but I do think he, he's someone that that could be could be worth a look. Although I think again, it does sort of depend um, how how you're set up and everything. Um, one I would come back to, um, as in to mention again, who I've, who I've mentioned before, I actually owned is Wes Burns. Um, you know, he is the other player regularly in the Ipswich attack and so I do think there's there's sort of an element of um he could still be sort of viable. I mean yeah there there were a couple of awful efforts from him at the at the weekend but he was sort of involved in the attack quite a lot and so I do think that that's another sort of potential route to points, particularly 
as the striker spots become a little bit more, you know, competitive, um, could someone like Wes Burns be a way, another way into Ipswich in particular for you? Are you not worried about uh, Sarmiento and Hutchinson over the last month? They've they've come in, all, although they've not always started, they've contributed quite a bit. Oh recently. yeah, yeah, yeah. That that is the concern, yeah. but I think it's probably Wes Burns seems like he's still going to start. He's just not necessarily going to play sort of nineties. Um, but yeah. it does sort of mean that I would still sort of be looking at someone like Burns. What about um, Ellos from West Brom? I, I know it's an out there pick, and I hadn't seen much uh, from him, but I thought he he looked really impressive in. At times in the um, match against Ipswich at the weekend, uh, took his goal well after a match. Well, it was terrible defending, but yeah, he took he took the goal well. Yeah, no, I do I do like the look of him. It's not just that game. I think he's been good recently, um, and so I do think there is an element of like, you know, could could he be an option? Um, particularly if you're looking at West Brom, I, I don't think it's the worst idea to look at someone like him. He, he's taken his chance coming into the lineup in the last few games. Yeah, he's got a few returns, scored against Ipswich, scored against Blackburn, scored in the F, uh, goal and assist against Aldershot in the FA Cup. Bit of a worry, he did get subbed a bit early, though, yesterday, which yeah. you've, you've obviously got... Um, Swift, who didn't start, Dean Garner's going to be back from AFCON. So maybe it's a, a wait and see. But yeah, it's just someone who I hadn't really watched, watched too much. And I can see why he's getting minutes from what I saw. Yeah. And I think that's the, um, the, the, the sort of big difference there. But I do think that there's, there's a few options that if you're really wanting to move away from the, uh, from the, the template, I think, in the midfield area, that there are some potentially interesting ones there. Yeah. And finally, forwards, I've wrote a couple. Obviously, it's, it's hard to move away from the ones that are selected, but I've gone Kiefer Moore. Um, for a long time throughout the season, we, we had Broadhead, Chaplin, I've had, at Spells had, had them both. But I think just from his... His performance against Preston, we, we've seen what more can do. We saw it in a, a Cardiff team that weren't great a few years ago. Um, scored key goals for Bournemouth as well in their their promotion season. Um, I think he could be a really decent option. And if I was going for a, an Ipswich strike, I would definitely uh, think about Kiefer Moore. A uh, good price at seven point five million. It's not, for example, if you've got Chaplin, it's not that much to to find. If you got Whitaker, it's not a massive amount to find. Um, obviously, you run the risk with Whitaker because he's returning near enough every week. Um, and the other one I've gone for is Hadji Wright. Um, I know we've joked a few times about about him on on the pod. Um, but he has been scoring quite a lot or assisting quite a lot when he's played um, this season. He's got 10 goals, five assists. Um, I know sometimes he plays on the left or, or up front, 
but I think he's he's adapting to the league quite well. Um, and I think if you're going to break like the template, I think he he's someone who, who could have a massive upside when people will be maybe a bit wary to move away from Armstrong, Rutter and, and Whitaker. Um, I don't know if you want to add any more on those two, Angus. Are you, are you thinking of either of them? Um, I mean, you know, you, you sort of look around, I think Big Kiefer has to be a, a consideration at the moment. Um, I I was, you know, he, he struggled a little bit in terms of the service at times at the weekend, but I thought yeah. when, when he had the opportunity, I was still sort of impressed. Um, I was also actually really impressed with Al Hamadi when he came on as well. Um, I thought he looked bright. Um, and he linked up a couple of times well with Kiefer Moore as well. So it'd be interesting to see, you know, it's interesting to see they've got those other options there. Um, had you right, I have to say he's doing well. Um, you know, I I still can't get the picture of it, him at the the World Cup barely looking like a footballer out of my head. But um, he look he's doing very well at the moment, so he has to be considered. Like simple as that, I think. But you know, it's it's tough, particularly with some of those spots where it's like, okay, which one do you go with? But um, yeah, he's certainly a consideration. Is there anyone else you you thought about? It's it's tricky, I think. Yeah, I mean that that it it gets a bit dicey, particularly looking for players with the double. I think you'd you'd probably be looking for players, you know, who don't have the double at this point um, to to find a point. We've sort of mentioned him a, a couple of times. What about Che Adams? I know he's expensive. I um, I don't like it. I think he would be the first one yeah. to drop out of the team. Like as I in agree, if, yeah. if someone like Brooks comes in or whatever it be, that drops yeah. out, that's my real concern with him. So, so that's where I'd I'd probably look to stay away there. Um, I'd also keep an eye on Emmanuel Dennis. We talked about him before. He scored a couple of minutes after coming on at the weekend. Um, Great assist by Winks. Yes, um, but he's talked about how uh, low his fitness levels were when he first arrived. Like how quickly he was feeling tired. So as he looks to build up, they go into a, a decent run. And so I'd, I'd, he's one that I'd also just keep an eye on. Yeah, I think that's fair. Well, I, I hope that's helped you guys. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I'm, I'm looking forward to you bringing them in. I won't bring them in and you score all the points. And when I go to them, they, they won't return. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's it's uh, it's it's going to be interesting. Um, but yeah, so uh, so so I think the next thing for us is whether we've got sort of anything else from the game which we want to cover. Um, I'm going to start just because I found I found I thoroughly enjoyed the highlights of this game, and I have a fun fact to bring up, which is the Southampton five Huddersfield three game. Southampton scored five goals. No one who started for them scored more than two gaffer points. Brilliant, <laughs> actually. We did, I did message you earlier on today because I looked at the bench and I was like, Rothwell, Brooks, Sully Banner, Edozi and Mara coming yeah. on the pitch. And you're like, oh my God. And yeah, that that strength in depth is is worrying, isn't it? 
Um, so, so, uh, so yes, that that one I did enjoy. Also, just you started thinking, oh, is uh, is Southampton's unbeaten record going to go now and everything? And then just to to not only equalise but to push through. I think you know the the resiliency um, there as well. Um, you know, I think I think you know, obviously, I watched the the. Uh, highlight show on ITV and Russell Martin did sort of say he wasn't sort of pleased with it, but he was pleased in terms of the the players having to go, having to do something a bit tougher, having to come from behind and show a bit more sort of resilience and everything a couple of times, um, and that that was key for them to show that they can do it and everything, which I do think is is probably sort of a key thing for them in that game to show, okay, yeah, like we can do it if we're even if we're not ahead, um, which if anything makes them even more ominous at this point. Um, anything from from you from sort of the the games this weekend? Um, I think I'll probably mention Sunderland, just Bellingham, Bellingham and. Clark with two good goals. Jack uh, Patrick Roberts starting. We know how how massive he can be. And yeah, I'm not sure if they're gonna get in the playoffs, Sunderland, just because they're a bit up and down. But I suppose you could say that with everyone around the playoffs. But yeah, I'm in- intrigued to see what Sunderland do in the next few weeks. Um, yeah. I don't think there's too much more comfortable wins for Leeds. Leeds again. Uh, Somerville looked good, didn't yeah. he? It's worrying. Very, very good. Um, shout out to Patrick Bamford for scoring with his arm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I'm just looking through. Um, yeah, I'm, I mentioned them briefly. Um, Ipswich, I think. It was important for them to get something from that game. I thought they were the better team against West Brom. Um, I think that game exposed still, no matter how well they've done this season, they still have some very limited footballers in that team, even at this level. Um, They've done well this year, and I'm not faulting their effort or anything, but I think it's shown that they are still a, a promoted team. Like, I mean... Wolfenden has moments where I'm like, how, how, like, as in, you know, I mean, he couldn't have played that fellow's goal much worse. Um, Edmondson, I think, he, I'm, I'm more reluctant to criticise him because he is a backup who is having to play, particularly with Burgess going off. Massimo Luongo is another one who puts a real shift in in the middle of the park. I think it's more just his age. He doesn't have the horsepower, whatever sort of he had previously. He doesn't have the horsepower to be doing it regularly. Um, and I, I kept watching him and thinking, like, you know, you put Lewis Travis in this team and are some of these issues they were having even even happening. Um, and so I think it's that it's those sorts of things where it's like, I mean, Kladke on the second goal, I know he's a little bit unsighted, but it's still not great. It still feels like he should be doing better on that. And there are moments when, in terms of his shot stopping, where he does leave a little bit, bit to be desired on corners. There are a couple of times where it's like, you know, you're sort of coming out, getting nowhere near it and having to be bailed out by his defenders. But I think, you know, you could also see some of the quality at the other end. I think Kiefer Moore is a key addition. 
Um, Hutchinson obviously took his well, goal well after coming on. I thought Broadhead played well again. Um, so I do think, obviously, they're... I'm not ruling them out, but I think it just sort of showed part of the issue still for them um, is some of these players that while they're obviously doing a good job for them, you know, at times it, they are a little bit limited. Um, I, I just worry that sometimes they have to score three goals to win a game and they've done well. And I, Obviously, I said they'd be... I think 16th, and they've they're obviously going to finish in the top six. I do worry though when it it gets to playoff football, if you're having to score three goals to win a game against the, the top lot, I'm not convinced they'll be do, able to do that. But yeah, they've done a great job. I think they're stronger than what they were at the start of the season, so they've definitely improved throughout the window. Um, another one is how Twin Sabi isn't getting in this team is. Yeah, I know they have to spell his starts and sort of, you know, maybe it's ahead of the midweek game they looked at it and were like, we can get by in this game and we'll bring him in. But I would have looked at that game and thought, no, he needs to be in this team. Um, Yeah. So, yeah, I agree on that. Um, Also, uh, massive sympathy for um, Daryl DK. Yeah. Went down, looked like his ankle. and, you know, you could see immediately he knew um, and he sort of went off the pitch and was having to sit there, sort of, you know, pulled his shirt up over his head. thought Sky Sports repeatedly showing the replays of him crying on the card. It was a little bit like, come on now, you know, give the give the man a little bit of a break. Um, but, yeah, I, I felt really sorry for him in that moment um, because it was just one of those things, the way he landed as well. It was like it was just one of those almost impact injuries or whatever that, that um, just made me feel sort of really sorry for him. Um, and just to finish this off, um, because uh, I know we've got a question on it, but I'm just going to cover it now. Uh, I think people quite enjoyed uh, the conversation about Duncan Maguire last week. <laughs> um, we obviously have removed the resolution, um, which is that Blackburn's appeal um, to have him registered was rejected. Um, I think we both feel this was absolutely the right call. Um, it was a, a screw up that was entirely of Blackburn's making. Um, obviously, you know, as I said last week, I feel immensely sorry for him. He has been sort of massively dicked around in this situation, and there, there's no way around that. But at the same time, you know, Blackburn not for the first time. We talked about how they did the same th- same sort of thing with Lewis O'Brien last year. Um, it's clearly not right there in terms of the, the way they're doing things. Um, you know, I think it was the tipping point. Obviously, Yondal Thomason has gone as well, and I think it was probably the tipping point for that. Um, but yeah, I mean, you can say it's an honest mistake um, in terms of them pressing save on the paperwork and uploading it to drafts folder rather than submitting it. But at the same time, like, come on, you know, you can't make sure that you've actually submitted the paperwork. Also, this only went down to the wire because of them messing around over the move in the first place um, and then suddenly deciding to be back in when it looked like he'd sorted out an alternative move. Um, the upside for him is that he still has the opportunity to go and play um, in MLS. That um, He doesn't have to sit on the sidelines for five months now. 
Um, I think back to someone like Adrian Silva who had to do that um, after they missed the FIFA window when he signed for Leicester. Um, but yeah, just feel sorry, for, feel sorry for the fans, particularly because I think a lot of them liked Thomason and that being the tipping point for him going as well, I think is unfortunate. Um, but yeah, I mean, just to... It, I feel sorry for the player. I feel sorry for the fans. It's but it's Blackburn again. It's sort of like you know you, you've got to ask serious questions, um, and I know serious questions have been asked, but you've got to ask serious questions again about about sort of the the running of that club. So obviously you mentioned um, Thomas and going. What's your opinion on Eustace? It feels like his stock has riv- risen. Just because Birmingham has slid down the table, I'm not. I'm not sure how good he is. Like I think he, he's a competent. I think, but I'm. I'm not sure Blackburn fans are going to be quite quite as excited about him as they were with Thomas. And I, I don't know what you think. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, I think his stock has gone up, like you say, from being sacked. I think it's one of those things that. Um, he's got a little bit of like credit or whatever where because of the league position they were in, people are ignoring the proximity. I think it was like three or four points to 50 yeah. place when he got sacked, even though they were in sixth, where it's like, but people just focus on they were in the playoffs when he got sacked. Um, I don't think we know how good he is at this point. Um, and so it would be interesting to see. I think that there have been sort of a number of teams that have looked at him for jobs and not hired him. Um, I think there are the players there to succeed at Blackburn. So I think, you know, it's a decent job to go and get it. You know, obviously, I've just raised questions about the running of the club. But in terms of the players that he's going in to work with, it's a decent decent job to get on that front. Um, so I think um, it'll be interesting to see how they go. Like, apparently, some of what they did um, yesterday was sort of influenced by his ideas in terms of the way they sort of lined up and everything. So um, it obviously, you know, they're not necessarily going to, that doesn't necessarily mean they're going to sort of win and score plenty of goals every time. But I think it, it creates a little extra reason for encouragement um, in because of that. Um, but yeah, I think that that was the last thing, just covering it off because I know, uh, I knew it was a question. I knew that that we were sort of going to have to cover it off. Um, so, uh, so we'll just we'll finish off with the questions. Um, thank you to everyone who sent questions in on Twitter. Um, FPL Frog has asked, "Who is the Blackburn keeper? Are they a better option for away days, thirty-three than Patterson? Are you bored of talking about Blackburn yet?" Um, I mean, I literally just talked about Blackburn, <laughs> but no, um, because I think they are interesting. Uh, for multiple reasons. Um, obviously, Pears is the keeper. I was waiting briefly to see if he would stay in goal, but um, after saving a penalty as well, I think uh, his spot is probably safe now. Um, better for better pick for away days in 33 than Patterson for you? Let me just see who's on the Patterson has a single away at Birmingham. Uh, Pears obviously has away games against Preston and Cardiff. Gonna say yes. I think you've got two games, haven't you? If you, I think so. Yeah. Save a bit of money as well, don't you? Yeah, and I think the big thing for me, particularly on away days with the goalkeeper, where you're not necessarily going to get the bonus or whatever, um, 
is just that extra fixture. Um, it might be an extra four points, but that's then an extra eight points or whatever. So I just think um, beyond the fact that he's just saved a penalty, although I think watching the replay, he might have been off his line <laughs> a bit early, but you know, <laughs> um, but he has just saved a penalty. And so you never know. You get that on away days. I mean, Patterson's obviously a good keeper against penalties, but I think it does just sort of come back for me to that extra fixture in a lot of these cases. Uh, FPL Commander said, as a Cherries fan, naturally I read David Brooks and Kiefer more to do well in their loan spells. But is it too hasty to put one of them in in this game week in my squad here? And is it viable game week to play the away day boost with one of them coming in, or should I wait? Um, so in terms of Brooks, he's got Somerville, Filler, Gene, Smodix, Dewsbury, Hall and Clark. Forwards, he's got Armstrong, Keane and Nisbet. Um, well, I'm certainly going to say it doesn't sound... It, it, I'd I'd feel better about Kiefer Moore and looking at your squad, Kiefer Moore makes a lot more sense. Yeah. Uh, like he's shown it that he's got everyone playing away. He's currently playing Jewsby Hall, but I'm guessing he'd take him out for for Kiefer Moore. Yeah. I, don't know. I think I'm gonna play in thirty three, but how many more fixtures are we gonna get? What three or Probably four, five, six. It's not. It's not a massive amount, is it? No. So. And then obviously you've got thirty-seven, where the big boys all play away, and yeah. Middlesbrough have two away games. Um, do you know what? Sometimes it's better just if you've got the team to just do it. You're not yeah. mucking around with transfers. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I don't hate it. Um. So. It's not the worst idea. Obviously, you're you're going against the doubles, but when you've got a team all playing away, um, I do sort of I do understand it. Because he, he could play away days uh, next in midweek, although that that might be a problem playing in midweek. Maybe um, he can he can play away days day two, triple triple thirty thirty three, and then. One of the other boosts, part of the bus or something in day so I don't hate it. Yeah, it it opens up it up for other boosts, um, certainly. Um, Ad Tor uh, said, if you haven't mentioned it in this episode of the podcast yet, what do you what do you think of the conclusion to the Duncan Maguire saga? Obviously, just covered. Uh, Nonstop FBL has asked, do we continue with the whole love in, or was the Swansea result concerning? I mean, it was concerning, particularly it wasn't yeah. so much the result. Do you look at the stats? That's what really concerns me. Like, Hull basically weren't in the game. Yeah, it's it's worrying, but this is what happens when I get Hull players. <laughs> so, yeah, I've yeah, got three it, of them. It was, better, it was better when it was just me and Danny McDonald on, on more than one of them. Now that everyone's joined us, it's, it's all gone to hell. Yeah. <laughs> Especially when the last time I brought in Philogene, he missed the penalty, and then the week after, I think he got yeah. injured. So I I don't have a great track of record with whole players this season. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it looks like Cyrus Christie is going to play. So, you know, if you want a, if you want a differential, talking about sort of going against the template and everything, Cyrus Christie, 
there, there, there's there's your real sort of differential against the template because no one else is going to go with Cyrus Christie. Uh, James Wood has said the template is pretty set and pretty strong again this season. What's the best plan trying to make up 100 points on the leaders in this set of boosts? Um, so I think that there's broadly a template. I think it's sort of from a small group because you think some people have Clark, some people don't. Like some people have, uh, there's a bit of a mix on sort of someone like Mavadidi, um, Chaplin, Whitaker. More now comes into that mix, which again, maybe it's little things like that. It's like, okay, I'm going to get Kiefer Moore in. Um, I'm going to, you know, do you punt against one of the bigger picks? Do you be like, right, I can afford to sell whoever. Um, you know, I I decided, oh yeah, this was the week I could afford to bench Pereira. That didn't go to plan. <laughs> but, you know, it, it's little sort of differences in there. You know, someone might go for like Patrick Bamford. So I think that's the first starting point is maybe some of these slight differences. Um, yeah. And I guess like, you know, there there has to be an element of risk taking. You know, yeah. try and get on players before other people do. Um, yeah, I I think um, maybe something like uh, FPL Commander is doing maybe play a, play your away days not not differently just play your boost differently. Um, like he could do really well, I think. Um, I think there there might be a double later on though. I think it, it's, it's mainly it's Coventry, I think. Yeah. But um, yeah, I, I think it's a mixture of picking not massively out there picks, but like like similar to what I've picked. You mentioned Bamford, sort of going for the better teams, and then maybe just if someone gets in for a three or four game spell, getting getting on them. Yeah. Um, yeah, like, for example, I went before basically anyone. I got Ryan Giles last week, um, as in, you know, for game week 30. He got an eight-pointer. You start picking little advantages like that. You're talking about making up 100 points over this period. If you can pick yeah. up, like, six, seven, eight-pointers just by going a week early on, guys, that can add up quite quickly as well. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, make sure that and then maybe playing... Your boost slightly different, yeah. Similar to maybe what FPL Command is doing, yeah. Yeah, agree. I think you can definitely do it. Yeah, yeah. I think hundred points over that period. Um, it's what seven points a week when you think about it that way. You just have to find a way to gain that. Um, yeah. Which which can happen. It's just sort of then finding those those differences. Um, James, sorry, that's done that one. Uh, Shesko Sexual has done. Apologies if this was already talked about. Couldn't listen to the last pod. But what chips and when are we playing? Um, I can't remember what we said on the last pod. We covered it in quite a lot of detail. Um, I think I think we agreed away days and triple triple were the best two. Yeah. And then in the feedback from. Uh, the gaffer guys about uh, yes performance enhancement so and we, we didn't pod about that after i got that the answer to that did i because someone asked about that yeah um so the perform the extra performance points in terms of i know it's asked about captain and vice captain um 
and bench. It basically functions the same as Goalfest. So the extra points are not doubled. So say you have a midfielder who gets a 10-pointer in terms of an assist and four bonus. And you uh, captained them. So that would be 20 points for that and an extra four points for the bonus. So it would be 24 points. Um, and you and same as Goldfest, you get the bonus points on your bench when you play it as well. So it's basically Goldfest, but for bonus points. Yeah, and you, you do have captain and vice-captain. Yes. Yeah. Um, so, yes, yeah, so I think it was that or um, it was Park the Bus, um, where it sort of just depends um, how, it, how it works for people. Um, but, yeah, and then the, the weeks we sort of covered off quite a bit. I don't sort of want to retread old ground too much. There's a couple of doubles and then, obviously, the... There are a few weeks, I mean, as, as was said about like way days, even this upcoming game week, um, there's some others that will fit in. But um, but yeah, I think it's a, it's a little bit um, uh, sort of repetitive there. And, and some of it is a little bit obvious at this point as well, I would say. Uh, Petri Annanen has asked, your view on Eustace and Blackburn? Uh, best players to target besides, obviously, Smodic targeting away days for 33, Blackburn playing twice away. Um, I think we've covered that quite a bit. We've we've literally covered thoughts on Eustace at Blackburn. I think we've mentioned what the four different Blackburn players. Yeah, I think we've covered it. Yeah. Um, so hopefully that's answered the question. Um, if you do have a follow up, let us know. But hopefully we we have answered it. Uh, name cannot be blank. So thoughts on this team playing away days in thirty two and then triple triple in thirty three. On the three players captain, is it too early to use two valuable chips boosts, or are these the best times to use them? If not now for away days, when are the fixtures better? Um, just to round off that last part in terms of when the fixtures would be better, theoretically, we've talked about 33 and 37 are two weeks where they are also good for away days. Um, away days 32, um, it's similar. Um, it's all sort of away players. Um, I can't fault that team. No. Um, and in terms of then the triple-triple, Filler, Gene, Armstrong and Davis, I, I don't think at the moment I'd be wanting to play. I'd struggle to justify a triple-triple that didn't involve Somerville, but I guess those players do all have doubles uh, in 33. Um, so maybe that is the answer, because I don't think Somerville can double again. So... Um, you might have to so yeah maybe, maybe that is the best answer I certainly don't hate it. it it certainly you know I look at it and it's like yeah that all makes sense um, now Petra has asked how would an overhaul look for you um, uh, I often don't look at the questions before doing the pod I wish I had at this point um I think you've just got to get everyone playing a double, I think. Yeah. And then um, be playing away days 33. Um, yeah, it's tricky. It wouldn't be too much different to what I'm, I'm going to have at the minute, no, if I'm honest. I think that's, that's the key thing there, though. If you're mm. going to overhaul, the second question is, are you going to be playing away days 33? Because, for example, if you're not, 
Whitaker would make it. If you are, there's no point having Whitaker. Um, you know that that sort of thing as well, where it's you know, okay, do you want to maybe punt against Leicester in the short term if you're not going to be playing away days? Um, you know, you could do that. It's risky, but it's the whole you know, okay, they play Sheffield Wednesday at home and then Middlesbrough at home and. Those are two potentially nice games for them, but they then play Leeds away. Could you could you theoretically punt against them for a three week period if you're playing away days and look to maximise it that way? Um, but if you're not, you're gonna want that Leicester coverage, and so I think you know. But some of them would be sort of the same. Like Armstrong's gonna be there either way. Somerville's gonna be there either way. Like Walker Peters is gonna be there either way. Philogene is gonna be there either way. Like that sort of thing. Um, I just wonder how bad your team is to to want to use the overhaul. Yeah, I just because even if you need like a minus eight or minus twelve over the next two weeks to play a boost, I'd, I'd do it that way. Yeah, unless you found yourself with like basically no doublers, in which case it's it's maybe okay. Overhaul is the quickest fix. Um, but with the likes of Southampton, you know, West Brom, Plymouth, Ipswich, even Hull sort of doubling it, sort of like, I'm not sure how you would have ended up at that point to to be missing out. The only the only way I can think of is maybe they budget busted in thirty. Yeah. Maybe that's the only way. But even then i like you say, I, I agree, I'd probably look to to take hits. But if you were looking to overhaul for whatever reason, yeah. I think um, it becomes quite quite obvious once you decide whether you're going to um, play away days in 33 or not. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's all the questions uh, we've had this week. Um, thank you to everyone who's asked one. Uh, we will be back next week. Um, I don't think we'll manage to do something midweek. Um, but we will let you know on that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I I think the information we've provided is probably it was being focused on thirty three anyway. Yeah. So I'm not sure how much more you're gonna you're gonna learn unless if someone gets injured, you'll know anyway because Angus will do the injury news and, and things like that. Yes, on that I don't think there will be injury news ahead of the midweek game week. Um, I'm not sure how many teams will have press conferences between, sort of particularly before deadline um, on Tuesday. Um, I am also going to be quite busy with work, particularly on Tuesday, so it'd be quite difficult for me to do the, the injury news. Um, like I say, if anything in particular, sort of particularly significant comes up, I'll try and share that pre-deadline. But there won't be sort of a full team news update ahead of ahead of 32. Um, I'll try and make sure there's there is one ahead of 33 though, um, particularly with the yeah. the significance. Um, but yeah, so I think that's everything. Um, so we will speak to you guys uh, next time. Uh, thank you for listening and goodbye. Bye. Unbelievable!